0: Alrighty
1: guys, welcome to the newest and very special episode of the Cabalcast. This week we are celebrating five years of screaming at clouds about how terrible Wizards of the Coast is, how bad Hasbro is, and to celebrate this, we are taking a look at the best or worst of our picks for year five, plus one episode in my case, uh, because what better way to talk about how terrible Hasbro is than by talking about how good or bad our picks were or are. So with that... Let's get it taken away.
0: All right, so uh, running at this real quick. uh, My picks are not in show order. They were just picks that kind of came to mind as I was thinking about year five and what I looked at and reading through the list some of the standouts for cards that I thought either might have moved a lot more than they did or reacted in ways I was not ready for. And at the top of the list (laughs) is uh, Whip of Erebos. This is a card that I thought was going to keep running away, but it did not. So kind of sad to see it, but we're still doing pretty well on this card. So when, when it was picked, it was basically the beginning of the spike that we saw uh, on the graph and that spike was artificial. It was unsustainable. And when the price retraces, it craters below our entry point. So immediately the market is up from uh, where we are looking at, sorry, from what our entry point was and buy price now is $6 compared to the market of uh, 950 at the time. But we're still winning on the buy list perspective at uh, which was four dollars forty on CK's end. So if we, you know, if we bought in, we were were effectively fine. We're not making the margins that I expected us to. So this is one of those. Th- this is basically a great example for me of a card that I thought we probably would have almost doubled up on by now, based on the slope in front of us, especially heading into that spike. I didn't think it was just going to go almost like straight vertical when we picked this and it was $9.50 but kind of you know so it goes it retraced a lot harder than I ever yeah. imagined it could have or would have we dodged a lot of reprints overall so I'm happy that we're making profit on it it's just not where I expected us to be at this point in time yeah I think uh,
1: I, I definitely had a few picks like that as well that I was off on uh, one of which that I was on on uh, was actually a sell pick and this is something that we kind of started doing with them last year and year and a half where we were like hey we also want to call out when it's just a good time to sell things yep. you know uh, so my call pick and this was December of last year was Force of Will the Eternal Masters version and I basically said you know hey look they've shown a commitment to reprinting this card and it's no longer being floated on Japanese buy lists and just like we saw with Volcanic with Lotus with ragavan forever. Uh, Japanese buyers floating these cards has a huge global impact. And once that stopped and you started to see a little bit of a downturn in the card. Now, I didn't expect it to be this significant. Mm-hmm. When I picked it, it was like $90 in change for market. And we're at almost half of that now of $50 uh, market. Now, the all time low was just a couple days ago. So we've got that going. But Uh, I think it's important to note that, you know, hey, look, you can't just pay attention to stocks. You can't just pay attention to deck lists. Uh, You know, like we talked about in our last episode, looking back, you know, what are some new ways that you found to kind of pay attention to what's going on And the hot list? and this pick was kind of, this was kind of the reason I chose this, was Hotlist does a really good demonstration of how the global economy is going with cards. Uh, and this card, you know, first of all, disappearing from Japanese Buylist, I was like, hey, that card's going to go down. Yeah. And it went down.
0: Yeah. Which is weird, yeah, that it would just tank so much. It's not like we saw a lot of significant reprint no, there
1: there weren't a ton of reprints, and we still have, you know, according to Wizards, more engaged players with EDH than ever. Uh, but here we are now. I do, I will say, I think fifty is like gotta be the floor for this card, right? There's no way it gets much lower than that. Yeah, uh, but you know, we'll see. I suppose.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's a, like, there is still a bit of a stigma of interacting with other opponents in games of Commander or even ending the game. You know, people look down on both of those things, so it is hard to predict how pervasive it will be at $50 yeah. versus 40 versus 30 But, yeah, at some point in time, the Commander community will just prop this card up like they do several others at an unnecessary, yeah. pri- well, unnecessary price point. Yeah, put quotes around that word. What you got next? Uh, for me, it's uh, Ancient Silver Dragon. Uh, this is a card that, again, like Whip of Erebos, it is currently in a position that I did not expect based on what I was seeing from price trends and sales data for the non-Red Dragons. And that is we saw a really long trough that we're just kind of now pulling out of. But the one interesting thing or the one standout thing to me that, that I find really interesting is the delta in uh, sale price. Right now, it has a $21 market price, which is up how much like three dollars from when i picked yeah. it in uh june uh at ck though it's gone up from 25 to 30 dollars. so the delta has gotten larger between the vendor and the open market side of things uh, if we bought in at or around market, so let's say we bought in at 19, CK is currently buying at 16.50, so we are seeing the numbers shift up all over the place. I just didn't expect it to take this long. I do believe that this is the second best Dragon, and I believe that because CK is seeing upward movement in both retail price and buy price, as well as a steady buy quantity, that it is the vendor side of things that really represents the correct trajectory for this card compared to the open market.
1: I'd agree with that. And I think, you know, anecdotally, something that I think is actually relevant to this card and anything from the set. uh, For a long time, collector boosters of this set were just rotting on distro shelves. Uh, After Baldur's Gate 3 released, all of a sudden that product started moving. Um, we just sold a collector box of D&D today for like 150 to someone, which granted, it's not as much as it was when it came out, but it's better than that rotting right, on the yeah, shelves. Yeah. And I think that what, you know, this kind of indicates is, hey, Card Kingdom obviously has been in this industry for a while. They recognize what's going on. Look, it's all been opened. It can't get any lower. Yeah. Than it did. Then it, it has. Yeah, it's it's got to recover because now that that stuff's not rotting on distro se- distro shelves, there's not that price parity that you have to worry about. Well, or well, now it's worth cracking all of this product because the singles are worth it. It's all been cracked because that game was really popular and people bought it. Mm-hmm. So now you're starting to see that recovering. I think that's
0: great. Yeah, absolutely. Right.
1: Uh, my next one. And this is something that I'm picking for a few reasons. Uh, a couple episodes ago, I mentioned, you know, reserve list trash is dead. It's gone. Um, this card is reserve list, but I don't think it's trash. However, it just kept going down after I picked it. Fair. And that is Pendril Mists. So I picked that the last episode of year four. Damn it, we're counting it. I don't care. Uh, and it was 1648 at the time. We're now down to just south of $10 on that. So we've lost over a third. Um, I still believe in this card long term because it's literally just Tabernacle on a blue enchantment that costs what? I mean, tabbies are like three K now. So, you know, $2,990 less than a Tabernacle. Uh, But it does the same thing. I think that this is one of those cards though, that is going to be more of a slow burn, uh, which I didn't quite catch on my pick. I said, you know, we'll probably wait for tax time. I don't know the tax time is going to help it. Uh, this this is I, I will chalk this one up, not as an L, but as uh, things just become longer term specs.
0: Yeah, this one. That's keeps, where we're going with this one. This one keeps getting content creator bumps. And I think it mainly comes from like Goldfish because um, yeah. like Tomer really likes this card. And it always has a way of impacting the game so positively for him. That you'd think yeah. more people would be interested in this. Stacks or whatever. People don't like it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. it stacks people out. I can't play the game I want to. Social contracting, blah, blah, blah. Then I don't think this necessarily was reserved with chaff to begin with. I think this was just an overlooked card. No. It's kind of like um, Magus of the Tabernacle. You know, that card is white. It's yeah. a little more difficult to play in a lot of commander decks because that means you have to touch what was one of if not the worst color for a really long time yeah as opposed to just being a blue enchantment which every aspect of this card is just better than magus of the tabernacle it's an enchantment so it's harder to remove it costs the same amount of mana but it's blue and that is just intrinsically better because all the blue pitch spells are just intrinsically better than the white ones so I think this is just a card that is, like you said, it's just a longer term spec because this it packs the game, it doesn't in such a way that it's not abusive, it's not yep. overwhelming, and I think it is just a matter of time before like the social contracting around commander kind of steps aside and lets <sighs> stuff like this really shine in the format. And t- and remind people that hey we don't just have to sit around and play four-hour games we can like right keep shit moving we, we can get it going guys let's yeah. do it yeah. uh, for me the next card i'm going to take a look at is yet another blue card so you know we're just kind of chaining them through and it's curiosity crafter uh this is uh probably one of the best performing picks that i've had uh all year and this is kind of why it's on the list because uh, like uh, here, because this card is just so upfront and so obvious in what it does, it just seemed ridiculous that people weren't talking about this card at all. They still aren't really yeah. talking about this card, and everything has doubled about this card. <laughs> the 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 buy price has uh, doubled from where it was. The retail price has doubled from where it was. This is just like the easiest win of the year of the year yeah. uh, from the pick side of things, and I it just okay the market price didn't double it uh, it quadded. so <laughs> yeah so everything about this is just kind of gravy this is it is easily reprintable because it's just a bird at the end of the day or a wizard at the end of the day they're both highly accessible and high and uh, easy reprint targets but this just goes to show that like no maximum hand size and drawing via combat, very powerful effects. Yeah. And stapling together, to hit them together, it makes for a very popular card. And so this, this serves also as a lesson for evaluation on specs. This is also something yeah. to, for me to reflect on. If this is one of the best performing picks I've had all year, just by the, the multipliers, then I need to reevaluate my processes in how I'm looking at cards specifically for commander that haven't already been immediately identified as commander cards in pre-release and thus have that commander tax on them from the beginning. Yeah. So. Uh, I also picked a commander card. Uh,
1: this one did not do anything like I thought it would. So this one's also kind of a lesson for me because I actually picked it twice in the last year. Uh, Both times 30 episodes apart. And in fact, I picked it 30 episodes prior to the year 5 episode the first time and a year 4 episode. And I just keep letting you pick it. Yeah. Uh, Don't get fixated on a card because you like it or you think it's good. Pay attention to the data. Don't be an idiot. Uh, All the data points to I was an idiot about Jewel Lotus. So I first called it out, and I believe the second time it was a call out as a hey... Pay attention to what happens with commander masters because it yep. should affect the price. Well, it it didn't. It didn't. Uh, it was at a market when I first picked it of seventy or sorry seventy three the second time and about seventy five the first for the original printing. Guess where its market is now? Seventy one hasn't changed at all. But there's also a lesson here, and that not only should you pay attention to the data. But also, if you look at the sales velo on this card, it's still selling like crazy. Yeah. So even if it's not a good buy because its price is going to go up, it's at least a good buy because it's liquid. Uh, That doesn't mean it's a good pick because that's not what picks are supposed to be based on. But uh, it is kind of also a lesson in reprints don't necessarily mean the price of something is going to tank if there is enough demand but in today's magic it takes a card like Jeweled Lotus or Mana Crypt to have enough demand for the reprint not to kill it so I uh, I will not be picking Jeweled Lotus again for a long time is what I have learned from this and you should also not pick Jeweled Lotus who knows
0: maybe the third time round will be the key yeah. <laughs> eh, what you got? All right. Uh, for me, the, the last card I looked at is Garolf's Messenger. Um, this is uh, from Dark Ascension. And the reason that we picked this zombie from Dark Ascension wasn't because of how powerful it is or can be in Commander, it's because of how powerful it is, was, and still is in Modern. Now, uh, what we touted the Yoggmoff decks at. At this time, and uh, the, the timing on this one is actually really important. So, this was picked uh, in September of 20, uh, 2022, so the beginning of yeah. year five, like yeah, right up front. And the idea was then that Yagmoth was a powerful deck in modern it's very difficult for them to print cards that don't make the deck better because they're basically going through... They're all creatures. So they all go through the same style funnel that they would have if Birthing Pod was still in the format. And oh, thus, okay. unless something really turns over within the format, then there's no reason why this deck shouldn't pick up. More people should be buying in, and we should, we should see this card go from a one-of to a two-of in the list. So all those sales that were mirroring our expectations will become more of the standard. And while Yawgmoth remains a powerful deck in Modern still, and it is receiving new tools seemingly with each set since I picked this card. That's one of them. uh, This was picked after Grist, uh, but there's some other stuff in there too. Uh, I don't think it plays Beans. It it got Halfling. It got Bowmasters from the same set, stuff like that
1: literally the, every set
0: yeah the deck just did not take off like i expected it to despite putting up results it seems the bar to entry is too high compared to other decks in the format when looking at it through the lens of both play pattern and mental strain so we picked this as it was on the downswing hoping to get in before it became a modern staple uh, the deck itself but that just never happened and so overall this card is just pure loss just great yeah. loss. I still believe in the card, but I'm no longer like I'm not gonna push it as as a pick, yeah after this crater. Like the more you talk with people about modern, the more they can give you a pretty concise idea of the meta game. and basically, if you were to remove certain aspects of the modern format, the meta changes, and you're going to see Yawgmoth move up into prominence. And that's not yeah. just like a local grinder perspective. Somebody, uh, I think Todd Anderson asked the question on Twitter, and Brad mm-hmm. Nelson responded immediately. Yogmoth and Aurelax responded that he thinks that the most powerful deck would become indomitable creativity. But that's basically what would happen if you were to remove, let's say, any one of the Evoke Elementals from the format. Or maybe yeah. the ring. You're going to change the format so much that Yawgmoth and Creativity, two decks that have effectively fallen off the map from a top-tier competitive play perspective, would come running back. Now, I did also think we were going to get a little bit of a push on this card when Ely, Cassis, and a few others were playing Samwise Combo. Or Yogmoth at the modern Pro Tour, but that just didn't no. happen. Those decks didn't perform there, and we got a really solid idea of why. We basically got to see what the modern metagame truly looks like and what is kind of ruling the roost, so to speak, from a format and individual card perspective. Yeah. Uh, Your
1: last card? My last card is one that uh, I picked because of Tribes. It was Vanquishers Banner. Now, when I picked it, the market was 574, and we were like bottoming out. So, it's gone down since, but Mm -hmm. if you take a look at the stocks graph, you can see we're starting to recover. So it was like 570 something, and it's now close to a $5 market again, after bottoming out at around 410. So, this is one that I still contend I was right. I think the timing was a little bit off and I picked it because we'd just gotten the like blueprint sketch, whatever variation of it. Uh, We had first serialized cards out of that set. It was the most open set ever until Lord of the Rings until whatever other sets are also the most open sets ever. But anyways, uh, this card I still have faith in. Uh, I think that it, and I think this is true of casual cards in general because I do firmly believe that this is a casual card. Uh, it's tribal for five mana. It's a lord effect and a you know draw effect. Yep. When they go, that that's a casual card to me. And it's agnostic uh, casual...
0: because it's an artifact. Exactly,
1: it goes in everything. Yeah. Um, now, I think that casual cards get a, hit a little bit more by holiday doldrums than other cards do, but we are seeing it start to recover now. I believe in tribal. You believe in tribal. Everyone should believe in tribal because tribal is basically a... Tri- oh, sorry. What is it? Kin- kinship? Kindred. Kindred. That one. It's fucking tribal. Anyways. Well, uh,
0: soldier isn't a tribe. It's a job. <laughs> so, I don't so from disagree. day zero, yeah. we've had a problem with this word. That is true. Uh,
1: but I think it's good. I think it also... It's one of those cards that is good by it is made better by the existence of themes and other sets. So obviously, Doctor Who came out. We got Cybermen. That's something we've never had before. There's a new tribe. We're going back to Ixalan. Well, there's a bunch of tribes in there. I mean, pirates were there. That's why we got Vanquishers banner. So this is one of those things that I think it's really just finding your moment to buy. Yeah, because. Tribes are always relevant. Mm-hmm. That elf lord is going to be good again. Yeah. That mere folk lord is playable. I guess fish is seeing a resurgence. Uh, Infect is too because of Legalis' lightning reflexes, but whatever. Look, SBAs
0: still kill Phyrexian creatures. They sure
1: do. It's great. Uh, but I picked this one because it's one that in the shorter term, because this was only picked like half a year ago, mm-hmm. uh, saw the full gamut Of it went up, it went down, and now we're starting to recover. Because timeline wise, on this stuff, you may have in mind that it's going to be like a year or more, which I think was a timeline I called out on this one, but it may accelerate. It may slow down. You just have to remember not necessarily to inventory what you have, but to at least say, hey, you know what? Let me take a look and see where things are. Because if I had you know, just parking them in a box and forgetting them like all the Sarkins on the ceilings or Splinter Twins. Uh, you know, th- th- that's a different story on some of them. You just need to pay attention. And that's why I picked this one, because, hey, uh, I was a little ahead of myself on the timing, mm-hmm. although we were on a downturn. But we're starting to see a
0: recovery. So just be a little bit more patient.
1: It'll probably get
0: there. Yeah. No, it's it's it suffers from everything I talked about with the Harold Horn pick a couple of weeks yep. ago, because that is another uh, kindred card. Yeah, it, and that—that's the only deck that's going to play it. is a, Is a deck focused around that and kindred, so yeah, kindred discovery. We we knew it was coming. Uh, and it's just you didn't get hit by the reprint. Harold's horn did, right? Which is yeah. something I did call out because that card is Harold Horn is a lot easier to put in a commander set than Vanquishers Banner. The banner costs a lot. It changes the context of the the pre con play patterns that Watsu yeah. wants, so it's kinda funky. It has been in some, not a lot though. And yeah. I, I feel like all the the kindred kind of cards that we can expect to come out of a commander product are all going to basically move kind of together we, we like talking about these packages of cards yeah. right the only there are some standouts that w- probably will never see a commander reprint like coat of arms because that was just yeah. too weird but these cards all move together that uh rising tide raises all, all ships ship. yep. yeah right and that's what happens when you look at like this kind of su- suite of stuff so the same thing can be applied to a lot of the picks that we've had around you know kindred based cards overall yeah. i think vanquishers banner should recover faster than mm-hmm. we see with herald's horn because herald's horn just got the reprint vanquishers banner it's been a minute it was a uh, march of the machine so you know still this year but earlier so we just got to wait for that stock to yeah. dry up and then we'll probably see them both kind of move at the same time because a lot of the tribes that you called out for ixalan need velocity and that's what both of these cards do. Pirates yeah. can extend into blue, Great. Merfolk or Base Blue. Awesome. But you know, you need your cards to do more when you're playing a kindred deck. You can't you can yeah. rely on Ristic Study and Mystic Remora in blue to draw cards like you would naturally. Sure, yeah. But the reason, like, Zendikar Resurgent is so powerful is because every creature you then play in green draws you a card. Or Lifecrafters Bestiary being so popular as a card in green decks is because it gives you more just for... It thanks you for playing a green card or a creature. Vanquishers Banner, Herald Sworn, same thing. Thanks for playing a creature of the chosen type. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, here's your bonus. Cool. And that's what you want out of this stuff. And so I think we're going to see a lot of these things move in lockstep, and Ixalan's going to be a great place for this overall. We discussed a couple episodes ago what's coming up in the next year, and I don't think we're going to get a lot of opportunity for interesting type of stuff, unless some of, like, Eldritch Horror stuff sneaks in, and then we get some more, like, obvious, like, zombies and horrors and whatever to kind of bolster existing uh, tribes, but other than that... I think now is probably one of the best times to move in on some of this stuff. So you want to talk about inventorying it and buying at the right time, I think now is also another good time to buy in. Yeah, so. for sure. Uh, I've spent too much time talking about your pick. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to talk about your pick? Yeah, we, we can move on to actual picks. For this now. week? Yeah, for this week. Yeah. All right, so uh, I am sticking with artifacts. We're, we're just punch it on through. same right yeah so for me this week i'm looking at a card that we talked about from lord of the rings i don't think i it was on like the outside looking in for the our our, our hype cards because it seemed like nobody really cared i can't remember if i put it in overhyped or i just talked about it but it's mithril coat and yeah. mithril coat is a fantastic card it costs three for an, a legendary artifact equipment that has flash and indestructible when mithril coat enters the battlefield. Attach it to target legendary creature you control. Equipped creature has indestructible, indestructible, and it has an equip cost of three. And I've got the stocks graph up now, and you can see this beautiful upward slope up until uh, very recently, the end of October, when the Lord of the Ring holiday bundles came out, and we're starting to see a little bit of a slide, and we might actually be seeing that kind of come back up. It doesn't seem like a lot of the product has hit the shelf. Sorry, it's hit shelves, but not the open market yet. So I don't really know where this card is going to be going. But I figured cards like this, the purely casual cards that are being eaten up by the market, are going to be fine. So we want to start looking at this now because hey, if we can buy in even cheaper, awesome. This is great for us. Mm -hmm. So uh, Mithril Coat uh, is being bought. By CK for $5.50 now, they're buying 50 copies. Uh, let me actually verify that. They're buying it for $5.50, more, awesome. Same, same quantity, perfect. And there were 332 listings on TCG Player for the market of about $8.96, and obviously that's gonna change because of the, the downward pressure from um, the holiday boxes there's 363 listings now the market says $9.22 on TCG stocks is reporting a lower market that than that $8.64 so something's going on I just haven't had time to investigate why so like let's just say it averages out to be about the same right so it's kind of we're we're holding steady on TCG player I added this to my list in July of 2023 CK was buying 5 at 5 sorry 50 at $5 so we've seen a 10% 10% increase in price there. There were 268 listings on TCG Player at $7.36. So increase in listings and increase in price, which is what we see for cards that I pick that are like, uh, i pick on release day or about release day. Then going uh, forward just a little bit, data from August. Uh, CK had eight copies in supply total at $8, but they were buying 5, five Sorry, I keep saying 5 They were buying 50 at four fifty so they're able to keep them in stock, not a problem so they drop the buy price between July and and August and then after that they just start a run from a commander perspective this is like pretty straightforward it's like Curiosity crafter you read the card you get it we're just out here looking to protect our value commander that's it yeah. when, when we look at uh, edh rec. We see an overlap in Commanders looking to engage with the indestructibility. Uh, When we look at both Mithril Coat and Dark Steel Plate, they generally play together really nicely, which is what I talked about when I discussed Mithril Coat originally. And I think that's perfect. That's what we want to see because this tells us a really good story. And that story is that players enjoy their value, combo, aggro, whatever, Commanders. They just want to play with them on board for any number of reasons, and this card is one of the best options to ensure that you can do this. Its ETB trigger also makes it the cheapest option to deliver indestructibility to your commander on a piece of equipment. Because it just costs three. The next closest, I believe, is Darksteel Plate at five, and after that, it goes like straight to seven. It's ridiculous. So if you're playing a value commander, one that isn't just helming your deck for color concerns and you need it to stick around, this should be in the list. This is what we're seeing based on the data. That people just want to play these commanders that do things on board and remain on board. This isn't a competitive card. This is a casual card. And that's fantastic. Awesome. It has a clear home and such a wide berth of the field that we really don't need the push for competitive either. This just smacks of purely casual commander, people that just want to have a good time and 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 enjoy what their deck does. We do see this in some aggressive stuff, equipment, etc., but that seems to be kind of in the minority to what's going on. From a timeline perspective, this has got a fairly stable price. It's got a decent velocity, and with a reprint in the holiday set, I expect it to remain flat, maybe even turn down in the short term as people exit from their collector boosters, or the the copies from their collector boosters, and that's what we're seeing in the stocks graph now. These notes are like a week old, so here it is. While this is happening, though, we want to buy in and make sure we get ahead of the inevitable upturn, as this card will move from a $9 card to an $11 card pretty quickly. So when you start filtering down on TCG player, you see that it's going to happen. If we move in during Q4 2023, I expect we can out this in late Q1, maybe early Q2 2024 because that's basically when the holiday stuff should be done, being opened. It should all be in the market. So that's it. There will be no new supply really coming in at the kind of pace that we are seeing with the holiday box. It's just going to be people continuously buying into – a long tail product, like we know is going to happen, but that's not just going to create this glut of product hitting the market. Reprint equity is pretty interesting. So mithril is a material. Uh, most fantasy games involve mithril as an ore to craft your hoo-ha with, but mithril doesn't exist in magic at the moment as a material on any plane outside of the the Lord of the Rings set. So unless we bring this into a standard or supplemental set, I don't really, sorry. We'd have to bring this to a standard set under a different name, but it could enter through a supplemental set, maybe similarly under a different name or just as Mithril Code. But they really don't like reprinting Darksteel Plate either, so I don't really see this coming through. They want stuff like um, Commander's Plate, things like that. Yeah, uh, which give it protection, not indestructibility, whatever. By quantity, at the moment, I think I have one from my Lord of the Rings product that I opened, but I'm going to be picking up probably another four or five to play. Uh, if you wanted to hold for buylist though, I think you can go as deep as you want. I don't think, I, I think your bank account's the limit on this. I don't, I don't really think you're ever going to go wrong with this card. We've seen <clears throat> Darksteel plate prove this before you can even look at nim death mantle if you want is another weird way to kind of keep your commander around yeah and there's just a pedigree on this type of card and this effect that leads me to believe that you just can't go wrong with this i was a little unsure coming out of the lord of the rings episodes but players have proven my analysis kind of correct for this I think it's
1: great. Uh, I do think the reprint equity is like one of the big things about this. But again, like you said, as we've shown with Darksteel steel plate, nim death mantle, Argentum armor. I, this is a card that, you know, it's, it's, if I have a commander that matters, I am going to play this card. Yep. Uh, because, you know, to the social contract, every person who plays commander at a casual level, Wants to do the thing. Yep. They want to do the thing, and a lot of times the thing involves your commander. So this protects it and lets you play the game the way you want to, Mm -hmm. how you want to, and do the thing, which I think is you know great. Yep. Exactly. Uh, I also think that you know, Mithril is like you said it doesn't exist here. This is pretty unique. I think that if they want to continue to keep the uniqueness and flavor of the universes beyond sets. This is the kind of thing that they need to have in there. And the only way that I, if, if this gets reprinted, the only way I would like to see it reprinted would be in a secret layer of some kind, Uh, some specialty reprint. That's not like, Oh, here's Mithril coat with like a different name. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Rick, like, excuse me, the walking dead secret layer where it's, Hey, here's these actual cards. I don't want something like that. And I think that as we've seen with some of the unique, like universes beyond type stuff, they really don't want to touch it too much outside of secret layers. So yep. I think that's good.
0: Yeah. That's a good point.
1: Uh, my pick. I am also sticking with artifacts. Uh, I am going for the cyber controller from Dr. Who. Okay. Uh, this is another reading the card explains the card blue, blue, black X for a three, three when it ETBs, each opponent mills X all creature cards milled this way onto the battlefield are face down under your control. There are 2-2 two, two Cyberman artifact creatures. Lord effect for other artifact creatures you control. I like this for a few reasons. Uh, obviously, it buffs artifacts. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that's just always good, especially in blue-black X, typically Esper. The other reason I really like this is it's an infinite mana outlet that acts as a win condition on its own. Oh, yeah, uh, exactly. Similar to Una, when she's in the command zone, yeah. you just mill out all your opponents. Well, I can just mill you for 200 because blue is really good at getting infinite mana. Uh, Eye Navigator, Palancron, Power Artifact, and any of the untap artifacts. There's just a million ways for you to get infinite yeah. mana for this card to go big. And similar to Mithril Plate, Cyber Controller is unique to the universe's beyond set. Cyber Controller, Cybermen, that's a Doctor Who thing that is not something that magic has ever come close to prior to the universes beyond product lines. So I think the reprint equity is pretty low on this. Mm. Speaking of low, it's less than a dollar. Now this is where things get kind of interesting because to me, this is an EDH card and it is an artifact card. So probably only one, right? Except again, again, this is an infinite mana outlet. Not only that, it's just good removal for your opponent's options. It kills top deck tutors. It gives you an army of creatures that, you know, you can flip with
0: Ixadron. I was just looking up Ixidor. I, <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, I know this card turns shit face up. Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's
1: a lot of, like, cute shenanigan options here with this card, which I, I think is great. Because... Ixidor is also a lord for face-down creatures. And for three mana, you turn them face-up. Which, you know what? When you have infinite mana, you just turn them all and get all your opponent's stuff, which is pretty cool. Uh, So it's not just an artifact card. It has a lot of really cute shenanigans that it can get to. And that's why I like it. Because obviously the exposure of artifact warding is cool. That's great. But there's actually a lot of hidden utility to this card. Uh, Having a nice, like, silver bullet type of deal for, well, uh, you know, he just mystical tutored. Um, so let me he probably got psychrift let me exile that and cast this for one mm. cool uh, I think timeline is where things get tricky uh, universes beyond has sold incredibly well at least for us at the LGS uh, we've had a lot of people actually coming in looking for this card which is why I picked it but we do have a fair amount of Doctor Who stuff sitting around still Because Doctor Who came out, and a week and a half later, we have the Lord of the Rings holiday bundles. Then we have new standard set. Then we have four more sets, or whatever it is, coming out between now and the end of the year. So this is one that I think is going to be a little bit longer timeline. Uh, Probably, realistically, six to eight months at the very least. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I don't know how during the winter, this card is going to appreciate in value. Now, that said, quantity, yeah, you would want to be at EDH, so a few, but honestly, at this price, I'd be looking at like 30 to 40. That's like 30 bucks yeah. less. That's not bad at all. Um, I've spent more on Sarkins Unsealing and felt worse about it than I have spending, I am at $23 on this card right now that I am deep. Uh, I just think it's a really good option, and it's one of those cards that yeah. I I think is going to fly under the radar for quite a while until you just get a gradual uptick in its exposure, either through content creator or honestly just people digging through old stuff Mm -hmm. and finding it in their bulk box because they just immediately pulled their doctors out of whatever deck they ended up with. Uh, But I think it's got a lot of versatility to it. I think it's a solid look. And I think that, you know, at least from the LGS perspective, stuff like this is like make a, break sometimes uh because we had a guy coming today and buy three of these for three different decks today and last week he bought five so he's got eight decks That's insane
0: yeah it's a weird card. couldn't be me but whatever i don't i like right it. yeah uh, the it seems like you want to mill that's what you want to do with this card but the further yeah. like the you read down this just gets weirder and weirder like memnarch used to be one of the premier apps Artifact Commanders, yeah, way back when, and it was a combo deck. And yeah. this allows people to kind of reshape that deck. Or if you wanted to play Fanax differently and you didn't want to eat or the dead combo somebody out, you wanted to play a realistic game of magic and then just like oops with high tide and palancron or something else yeah. like that, you could effectively mill the table out with a cyber controller. Or you could just play the Value Artifact game in the interim and have a combo finish, and it just allows you to play in some weird and interesting ways. Yeah. Like you mentioned, you can do the Ixador thing. Absolutely. And there are a lot of just interesting avenues for this card that we haven't really seen in a while. It just plays so uniquely uh, overall. And I'm kind of curious to see what happens with this and some of the other weird ones um i don't want yeah. to, to shift the spotlight or sound like i harp on this card all the time but we were talking about uh much like it seems like everybody in the the legacy and vintage community is is what some industrious brewer is going to do with the doctor who cards and anything yeah. from ixalan for eternal weekend and so we were just talking about it, and I, I, somebody else brought up River Song, and I was like, that card is just stupid, and I don't think anybody wants to do it. Anybody wants to play with River Song because imagine casting, fucking brainstorm. You t- you draw yep. three cards off the bottom of your deck and then put two cards from your hand on the top of your on library. Top. Yeah, it is a reverse preordine which sounds fantastic until you realize the dexterity involved and doing all this it's so bad yeah. yeah but like could somebody brew something up that just shotguns people absolutely, with riversong's yeah. triggered ability yeah exactly absolutely yep. because that's what that format is good for scrying searching uh what is the what is considered what is surveilling
1: Surveil, uh, surveil yeah, yeah
0: like yeah you could definitely like blow somebody's face off with river song but you there's a dexterity problem involved in this that you have to solve and because that card changes the game in such a unique and interesting way and then has these really weird play patterns it's like cards like the cyber controller are also really attractive for that same reason yep. but at least this one's up front and tells you what it does and it doesn't make you do anything weird when you're playing the game it just says yeah dump mana into me I poop artifacts, and
1: will be great. Yeah,
0: yeah. So overall, it's an interesting look. It's a card that I think I overlooked because we were focused on um, another one for for other reasons, another one of the Cybermen for VRD. So I think I overlooked this one overall. But it is. Yeah. It seems like the more I go back, the more all the Cybermen look like they have the opportunity to play really well in Commander because they're just so, like. Un unintrusive to the game
1: unobtrusive like yeah they they just look like why is why is this card here like what
0: does not even that for us does it do anything not really oh yeah because it's not making you jump through weird hoops it's not asking you to cast cards from exile or or start putting time counters on things that don't have suspend and tracking eight cards outside of the game or playing off the bottom of your library or figuring out whatever the TARDIS does you just play artifacts and there's some really cool abilities on most of the cybermen and yeah they're all just good cards when you boil it down like i don't think it's a cybermen i think it's just the grixis commander that basically says if you were to make a villainous choice you make it twice but that's basically just the keyword will of the council yeah so that's when, all it is when you vote you vote twice easy easy like, we're done. I figured it out. I got the combo. Yeah. I play cards. I ask me to Let's vote. Go. Yeah, and so I think cards like this are a really good reminder. Like, yeah, there's there's a lot of color and a lot of distraction around the heroes of the Doctor Who set, and there's a lot of flash around the vampires and the Merfolk. And the Exelon stuff, but uh, behind that are the pirates and the dinosaurs that offer a lot. Like nobody's been talking about Galta, or the fact that there's a new natural order for right. dinosaurs that puts Galta into play. And then what does Galta do? Put your hand into play. I love the card Eureka, and when it's one-sided, it's even better. <laughs> it's really bad. like, come on. But no, merfolk and Vampire get vampires are getting all the press because they're flashy, yeah. they're colorful, they're interesting. Cybermen aren't. The doctors are. Nope. So we have the ability to take a look at a lot of these cards and start investigating what yeah. Yeah. Investigating them, what they do in the format if people like them. Are they good picks? What are people saying? And I think this is a a good look overall. What do celebrities know? Do they know things? Let's find out. Yeah. <laughs> Such a great show. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we're going. We're yeah. exiting this. I'm <laughs> after, pulling the after Bojack, we're done. <laughs> for
1: starring JD Salinger.
0: For at MTG Club on Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, and YouTube. I am at Halt Iron Reptar. I am at Damon Underscore Thursday. There it is. I'll see you next yes. week.